0: Doug, great to have you back on another episode of Chalk Talk. Uh, this week, we're focusing on the recent publication of Shockwave being included in Fast Company's Most Innovative Companies list. Obviously, a great honor for the company. So from your perspective, what does this award mean to you, both personally and from a team perspective at Shockwave?
1: Yeah, thanks. And it is quite an honor. Uh, it's quite flattering. For me, the, the recognition just validates what... I see every day uh, at the company, whether it's the sort of just the whole concept of putting shockwaves inside of a balloon was an incredible innovation, but on a daily basis, uh, whether it's the technical team uh, stretching the limits of that concept and moving into new concepts or like, hey, how do we get, how do we create codes for our device for peripheral applications and secure reimbursement and in a sort of totally non-traditional fashion, the way that we did, or sort of the whole way we built our commercial enterprise is just sort of a different, different structurally, focusing very heavily on clinical specialists to help serve our serve our customers' needs, optimize outcomes for the uh, patient as the as the core tenant versus like let's go just only hire salespeople. So I think we. Uh, are willing to uh, push the envelope, experiment with doing things differently across every function of the organization. And, and if it doesn't work, then we pivot quickly and try a different way. Uh, it is flattering, as I said, uh, that somebody else noticed. Um, and it's not just the technology innovation. It's We try to learn from mistakes quickly and best as possible, try things a little bit differently than other people do.
0: And what do you think are some of the kind of key aspects or achievements from the past year that led to this recognition from the publication? Not even just the past
1: year. It's sort of, in my view, it's last year was particularly um, exciting and impressive uh, in terms of our growth rate. But if you, um, when we first started this enterprise, like uh, commercially, there was this tiny little niche of treating calcified arteries that was maybe 3% of the procedures globally, at least in the coronary front, and no one really paid much attention to it. And as a result, particularly of our, our coronary launch last year, we we took that, what was perceived as, as a niche and it just has exploded. Um, and now everybody's talking about calcium and it's largely because of the impact that Shockwave and uh, our various devices have, have had. Um, so certainly the revenue growth rate, it was um, is kind of eye-popping and that certainly would have caught the attention of somebody like Fast Company, but also the, all the components that went into that, like building the business without any reimbursement for several years and, and putting it in a position where it was poised for this incredible 250% growth rate that we experienced last year, uh, are the kind of things that, that uh, were necessary to, to make it look like a, an overnight success but it was really the hard creative work that went in uh, for multiple years ahead of time that resulted in that sort of
0: remarkable growth rate that we experienced last year. Absolutely. And you know, on top of that growth rate, I mean, that's all driven from Driven from a philosophy, I feel like, or a culture of innovation within the company, how would you describe that philosophy? And has it changed over time? And you know, vis-a-vis others from your previous experience in the med tech space, is it similar? Or is it different? I've always had the
1: overall philosophy that if, if you aren't reinventing yourself and replacing yourself and out innovating the rest of the field, that you become a target because you're sort of standing still. I'd say organizationally, where we are now relative to where we were when I started five years ago, the company that I joined in 2017 was really strong, creative, engineering focused, sort of a startup mentality. So, uh, as is the norm out here in the Bay Area, most med tech companies were, are, or were sort of built to be acquired. It was hard to say companies public. So, the assumption was prove your technology. Get it approved uh, after you get some clinical results, and then go find somebody to buy it. The upside to that is, you know, your investors get liquidity, they get to exit, and they and the employees get to move on to their next startup. And you have sort of serial startup kind of a culture. I inherited a lot of that here. Now, when I when I joined, I had run a public company before. Uh, uh, I like building for the longer term, and. Uh, and certainly the mandate from the board was you know you're coming on here with the your your job is to take this thing public that's why we're hiring you and that really when you are taking that longer view it also forces you to think about okay how do we build a pipeline that is enables you to have a sustainable enterprise that's going to grow for multiple years to come and and how do you bring in the right caliber of talent that that can also you you can build around and can create processes and systems that are sustainable. And, and so I'd say the the mindset shifted as it became increasingly evident that we were going to get to do this build together and create a company that had had staying power. And then you think about, okay, what do we need to be doing so that we are successful in 2026, 27, 28 versus how do we convince somebody to buy us, which is an entirely different way of of approaching your job. It wasn't for everybody. <laughs> we, we had a we had a reasonable turnover in the early days as people realized, oh my gosh, so we're not going to get acquired. Oh, that that's okay. that was not. I, I'm not up for that. Uh, and now, the people we have here is, are like, please don't get it. We're not going to get acquired, are we? Because this is too much fun. I don't I don't want to work for somebody else. Um, and so that that's been a sort of a multi year process to get to where we are now. And and um, and uh, we th- we feel like we're we're really well positioned for the long-term sustained
0: uh, growth driven by innovation across the board. Nice. Speaking of the long-term, you know, how do you kind of as a CEO keep on the pulse of the rate of innovation kind of within the company? Well, on the te- technical front, I think uh, the
1: techs and engineers in the lab are, they're sort of waiting for me on Monday mornings at eight o'clock when I walk through to say, okay, what, what have you done in the past week since the last time I was here and you showed me your latest creation might be the highlight of my week, frankly, is that, uh, that walkthrough. Uh, good, way to, good way to start off the week. <laughs> yeah. 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 Amazingly. They almost always have at least one thing to show, um, yeah. which is exciting. So, then across sort of outside of the sort of pure technical innovation, which is what most people think of, we have a, we have an incredibly talented team across uh, all of our functions, and like no nobody's afraid of taking a chance or coming up with proposals to how we could do things differently. Again, I'll go back to reimbursement; that was a very different strategy. Uh, in fact, you were you were Scott were the one who said, "Hey, why don't we go for this breakthrough designation?" Even though theoretically we're we're kind of later than most companies would be in applying for it, and and that turned out to be really transformational for our coronary launch because that decision to take a sort of non-traditional approach for with the FDA led to a breakthrough through designation, which then led to reimbursement and that accelerated our launch uh, post-approval last year. Uh, and so there's more of a take a chance. And if it doesn't work, of course, correct after you take a chance uh, sort of mindset here. And we try really hard or I try really hard to make sure that I am not a bottleneck and, and that I am not in standing in the way of, of folks to come up with better ideas than I have. I, I, I don't, I don't have an expertise in every single functional area. So far be it for me to be the person who, who tells people what to do. Uh, I'd rather them come to me with ideas on what they think is possible. And, uh, uh, and so I try to stay informed
0: <laughs> and connected, but not, uh, but not micromanage. Nice. In helping you kind of form some of those thoughts about innovation, there's certain people or certain things that you've learned throughout the course of your career that have really aligned your points on kind of how to best foster innovation? Yeah, I think when I've been involved with business units of bigger companies or
1: or within bigger companies, uh, other companies, there's what i have seen not work or 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 impede innovation is when when you start seeing sort of uh, silos build up between groups where you marketing just worries about marketing stuff or the manufacturing people say like i don't need input from r&d because you know i got this and you you lose that cross functional pollination of ideas and and so you know that's harder when covid drives everybody home and people are working uh, remotely and have to get on Zoom calls. So uh, ensuring that you maintain a really strong interconnectedness between functional groups, because I think that really, you know, that's the juice to me is, is when R&D learns something from, from the marketing folks or the sales team, uh, it's about what what is frustrating a customer or what the customer wishes they had that sparks ideas that they otherwise might not have come up with. Uh, and so maintaining a really healthy dialogue connection process, whatever between between the, the teams uh, so that people aren't don't put on blinders and just think, well, my job is to do regulatory work so I don't need to I'll just wait for inputs from somebody else to do my job. Uh, to me, it's one of the, the most important things you can do and then make sure you keep everybody uh, recognizing that, Sort of, we, we're we're trying to think about how will we be successful three, four, five years from now, uh, so that they're cognizant that what we're doing now is only good enough for now. It's in it's insufficient for what we're going to need four years from now. So that they're you don't make short sighted decisions and say, well, I'll just I'll put in the whatever a the the minimum acceptable software package
0: when you should have been thinking bigger or uh, what's the company going to need when we're three times larger. Yeah. Into that kind of long-term view, thinking in the future, it seems like competition can also be a big catalyst for innovation, <laughs> especially with so many companies now looking at getting into the IVL space. How is Shockway approaching that?
1: Yeah, well, fortunately, we uh, happened upon a, an opportunity that was much larger than than almost anybody Expect it to be, and being the first mover has tremendous advantages. The biggest of which is, if you're objective about your own technology, and listen to your customer, uh, they will tell you what you should be doing better, or they wish you did better. And if you're not complacent, and you um, and you take on board the feedback from your customer, you are years ahead of, or we are years ahead of anybody else in terms of sort of knowing what we should be doing if we want to upgrade and replace ourselves. Uh, And so we've more than doubled the number of R&D programs that we have over uh, a little over a year ago, and we keep generating new ideas for sort of what's the next, next thing we should be working on. And sure, it would be nice to have like a cash cow where we could just sell the same thing for the next six years and, and just milk it. Uh, That's not very fun. And The practical reality is uh, that that just won't exist in our business. We're going to, we're going to be replaced. And so let's replace ourselves instead of being replaced by somebody else. And you do that by relentlessly innovating and pushing the envelope on, pushing yourself on sort of what could we do better? And four years ago, there was a view that some of the things we're doing now were just too hard and not possible. And we really made a made a meaningful sort of shift in how we thought about things. Sort of, it it might be hard, and you might not be sure you can accomplish it. But if you know your customer wants it, you know somebody else is going to try. So we would better try ourselves. And we've had some real breakthroughs in areas that I was told we couldn't do, and now it looks like we
0: really can. And I think we're I think our customers are going to be thrilled. Yeah, it's going to be exciting few years. That's for sure. So plan. Thank you, Doug. Appreciate the time. and for those who are wishing to read more about the award and catch the March and April issue of Fast Companies hits newsstand and expect a feature on Shockwave Medical and the coming summer issues of the magazine. Doug, thanks, really appreciate it. Uh, thanks, Scott.